Well, good morning once again this morning. Good to see you all here. And uh, welcome to those who are on Zoom or following us later online. Thanks for coming. Appreciate you being here. Trust this message will minister to our hearts this morning. I know it has to mine. I want you to imagine for a moment what it was like to be Moses. Okay? What would it have been like to be Moses, to stand there confronting Pharaoh and say, thus says the Lord God, let my people go, right? And he's stubborn and he refuses for like the eighth time. So you stretch out your staff, right? And when you stretch out your staff at God's command, these, these huge swarms of locusts come and they cover Egypt and they, they, they strip away everything that's green in the whole area, right? Wow. Talk about, uh, something to behold. Do, do you think God was with Moses that day, helping him? Yeah. How about you? When you're maybe sharing the gospel with a neighbor or doing some kind of ministry around the church, is God with you, helping you? Yeah, of course he is, right? How about when you're at work or cooking dinner or driving to the store or washing the dog? Is God any less there and available? Hmm. Or is God only concerned with the more spiritual stuff that we do? Last week we looked at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6. We're going to look at that verse again today. It says this, In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. We talked last week about inviting the Lord into all those paths of our lives, didn't we? Our career path, our financial path, our social path, our relational path, right? All of those. But there's another aspect to this in all your ways that I think is crucial that we take a look at today. In all your ways. I'm going to entitle this In All Your Ways Part 2. Because what I've noticed in over 25 years of ministry is that there is in many Christians' hearts and minds, and been in my own, um, this separation of what we'll call the sacred and the secular. Um, what I mean is that this, things like church, and Bible study, and prayer time, and ministry, well, that's all sacred stuff. That's God stuff. That's spiritual stuff, right? We expect God to be involved in that. And then there's the, the sacred or the secular stuff, the worldly stuff, the everyday common things that we do. Um, you know, wash the dishes, mow the lawn, go to the doctor, right? Things like that. Um, and although we don't purposely keep God out of those things, maybe if you're like me, very often neither are we looking for him at those times, um, expecting any kind of supernatural involvement, right? And maybe worse yet, we're involved in some of those things and we're just sure in our heart that God would rather us be doing something spiritual. So we're, we're feeling kind of a twinge of guilt for doing this thing in the first place and, and God kind of just puts up with us when we do those things, waiting for us to finally do something spiritual, Right? You ever think that way? I know I have. So, so maybe there are these parts of our lives, maybe significant blocks of time, where we're really not acknowledging 
the Lord. We're not really looking for Him. Oh, we, we might pray as we're driving to the store, right? Which is a good thing, right? Great thing, for example. But we're not necessarily expecting God's presence there at the store like we would be when we're doing ministry or sharing the gospel with somebody, right? And the sad thing is, not inviting God into those non-spiritual uh, situations, we miss the sense of his presence, don't we? The, 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 the confidence of him being with us, the, the joy of his love for us, right? We're not, we're not reveling in that. Um, we, we, we would miss maybe his input into those situations, guidance, direction, wisdom, uh, the help that he might have for us in strength, patience, creativity even, that God might want to share with us in those non-spiritual common kinds of things. Why? Because he loves us, right? Not to mention just the fellowship with God that we could be enjoying at those times. How many have simply walked down the road holding the hand of your child, grandchild, niece, nephew, whatever, right? And or, or, or just sat on the couch with them, not doing anything particular, but just enjoying being with them. Do you know that your Father in heaven, even though He's God, He just enjoys being with you? He enjoys spending time with you and it doesn't have to be one of those spiritual things. He just wants to be with you. That's what he created us for. Fellowship, right? Just because you belong to him. Not because you're praying, not because you're reading your Bible, not because, you know, necessarily you're sharing your faith with somebody, but even in those common moments of time. Right? Zechariah or, or excuse me, uh, Zephaniah 3.17 says this, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with, hear those words, he will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Just because you belong to him. You, we were lost, right? We were separated from him. Now we're home. We're like the prodigal. We're home now. And he rejoices over us with gladness. Even though we're imperfect, even though we blow it, he is rejoicing over us as his children. Or as my friend Mike used to say, you know what? God not only loves you, he likes you. Chew on that one for a while. God not only loves you, he likes you. Hmm. A.W. Tozer, pastor, theologian, author, uh, in his book, The Pursuit of God, which I highly recommend, by the way, about anything from A.W. Tozer, um, has a chapter entitled, The Sacrament of Living. We think of sacraments, we think of communion, we think of baptism, things like that. Um, he starts out by quoting 1 Corinthians 10.31, which says this, So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And then Tozer writes this. He says, One of the greatest hindrances to internal peace 
which the Christian encounters is the common habit of dividing our lives into two areas, the sacred and the secular. He says we are compelled... My next page. There it is. <clears throat> we are compelled by the necessities of living to be always crossing back and forth from one to the other so that we live a divided instead of a unified life. He goes on to distinguish between what he calls sacred acts and ordinary activities. And then he says this. He says, Paul's exhortation to do all to the glory of God is more than pious idealism. It is to be accepted as the very word of truth. It opens before us the possibility of making every act of our lives contribute to the glory of God. Paul mentions specifically eating and drinking, right? The, this humble privilege that we share with the beasts that perish. If these lowly animal acts can be so performed as to honor God, then it becomes difficult to conceive of one that cannot. Right? Do you see it? So not only does God enjoy being with us when we're doing laundry or changing a tire or going to work, but all these things can and should be considered sacred acts, right? Dedicated to his glory and received by him as if they were prayer, Bible reading, sharing the gospel. To say this, Tozer says, is not to bring all acts down to one dead level. It is rather to lift every act up into a living kingdom and turn the whole of life into a sacrament. The whole of life into an offering to God. The whole of life dedicated to his glory. Wow, that's a thought, isn't it? So what does this look like? What does this really look like in every day? Have you ever made a meal for company and enjoyed watching them enjoy it? Right? We had some guests over the other night just enjoying watching them enjoy what was prepared. Now, let's say we're sitting down to dinner and we bow our head to give thanks to the Lord for providing that. Do you think then he enjoys us partaking in what he has provided for us? Absolutely, right? So we can eat to the glory of God. Thank you, Lord, for, for, for giving this to us. And God is pleased to give that to us to enjoy. He's given us, the Bible says, all things to enjoy, hasn't he? Uh, the, the work that we do, whatever it is. Have you ever read what happened after God created Adam? Look at it, Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. He says this, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Look at that. Work, being productive, was always in God's plan for us as human beings, right? It is just... Um, as much his will for our lives as prayer and Bible reading and treating people with kindness, right? Work is a spiritual activity when we consider it one, when we have that kind of attitude. We're on the job. I'm doing this 
in honor of God. I'm, I'm doing the work that, that he has given me. I'm blessing my company, right? My coworkers, whatever. You notice that? And, and really, it's not so much what we do, but how we do it. That we're doing that work, not watching the clock, not, you know, doing the bare minimum, not, you know, we're, we're, we're being helpful to our coworkers. We're doing our stuff on time. We're doing it when we promise. We're, we're being uh, people of integrity. We're being people of honesty. We're, we're treating everybody with kindness. We're being respectful to those over us. What is that? What are all those actions at this job? They are actions that glorify our Father in heaven. Right? So when we dedicate that time to Him, we're doing this thing to His glory. Right? Whatever work it is, whatever common task it is, who, it's not what we do, but who we are. And who we are then is an act to honor and glorify Him. In all your ways. In all your ways. Building a reputation hopefully, among people when they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven, right? That Jesus said, let your light shine before men. That can be in any given common situation, can't it? But now that common situation is dedicated to the Lord and we're looking for Him to be there, looking for Him to be speaking to our hearts, to be giving us patience in the long line or as we're driving down the road, right? Doing that common task. But instead of flipping my lid because there's two semis one mile an hour apart, gritting my teeth, you know, I can receive that saying, well, this is what it is. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Who I am in that situation. You know, we think it's good in Sunday school or in VBS to teach our children godly values, right? One of the most important things we can do is instill in them values. Values like responsibility and commitment. So what is mowing the lawn? What is washing the dishes? It's living out godly principles, right? Of commitment, maintaining what I have, taking care of my stuff, right? So it's not a, a common thing that God has no interest in. It's living out a life dedicated to Him and very much something that He is just wanting to be with us and hang out with us while we're doing those things, right? It's an attitude, isn't it? It's an attitude. Even in these mundane tasks, we can experience the power of God. Again, the power to be patient, the power not to respond in kind to someone who speaks to us rudely, you know, things like that in those common times. Because if I'm expecting him to and, and, and enjoying his fellowship while I'm there at the store, when I get in the line, you know, I'm not thinking about why is this new person taking so long? I should be in the other line, et cetera, et cetera. I'm thinking about 
you know, you are my strength when I am weak. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm fellowshipping with the Lord behind the scenes, right? And maybe, just maybe, in a time like that, I can look at that person behind me in the line and God says, they're really hurting. Strike up a conversation. Ask them how they're doing. Smile at them. You know? Again, it might be the line at the store. It might be the coworker next to us. It might be somebody at the lunch table. It might be somebody at school. It might be, you know, where God would, because He's there, because we're expecting Him there, because we're looking for Him there, we can hear His voice. He can lead us and guide us, right, to be able to minister to someone. Someone who, again, may be hurting and may be, you know, planning some kind of self-harm later that day because nobody but nobody cares. And now God has been able to speak to our hearts and we've been able to reach out in the love of Jesus to somebody or open a door to share the gospel with them and change their lives for all of eternity. You just never know, right? But we're open in those times because our whole life now is dedicated to him and we're and we're getting the fact that he can enjoy being with us in those common everyday experiences maybe in these mundane tasks um, God could we're about to make a major purchase and the Holy Spirit goes, uh-uh, right? Looks good. Looks like a great deal. Look, you know, every, everything up here says this is great, but in the heart, the Holy Spirit goes, no, mm-mm, don't do it, right? Um, things like that, that God would want to keep us from going down a wrong path. Maybe he has something better for us down the road. You just never know. And God made us, didn't he? God created each one of us unique, and he's given us what? He's given us gifts. He's given us abilities, right? So wouldn't it be a delight and and an honor to him to paint a picture if he's given you that gift? And you've received that gift. when they Doesn't it honor him then to take that gift and do something with it? Or make something out of wood, right? Or play a musical instrument? He's given that to you. So when you do that, it brings honor and glory to him. Right? You remember the story of Eric Liddell uh, told in the movie Chariots of Fire. Liddell said this, and I quote, he said, God made me fast. God made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. When you do what God has given you ability to do. It gives him pleasure. That's what he gave it to you for, right? We're honoring, we're glorifying him. What was Liddell doing? He was acknowledging God, right? He ran with a heart of gratitude and honor, and his running then became a sacred act. Just like prayer, just like Bible reading, just like sharing your faith, running became a sacred act to honor and glorify God. Liddell's a great illustration, too, because he truly sought to honor God in his running. 
Uh, Liddell was a sprinter, if you remember the story. He was a sprinter. Uh, the 100-meter race was his strongest event when he qualified for the 1924 Olympics. But once he got there, he understood that the trials for the 100-meter were going to be held on Sunday. And the way Liddell grew up in his faith, Sunday was the Sabbath. You didn't do things like that. So he made a choice. He withdrew from his strongest event in the Olympics. Imagine you're training, right? Working hard. And now your event, the thing you're favored to win. <clears throat> and he says, nope, not going to do it on Sunday. Instead, he, he ran in the 200 and 400 meter events and he ended up shocking the world as he won the gold medal for the 400-meter race four times. <laughs> he was a sprinter, and now he's in the long-distance one, and he takes the gold. God honored him back. Amen. See, that's the other thing about acknowledging God in all our ways. When we, when we dedicate to him our whole day, when we dedicate to him every action, Right, inviting his presence, his fellowship, uh, plans and priorities may get rearranged a little bit. Right, activities we realize that may not honor him can be skipped, can be let go of. Activities can be dropped. Maybe he'll show us there's a better use for our time than scrolling through Facebook or binge watching anything. Right, there might be something better to do. Or maybe he'll show us that a particular post is doing more harm than good. Right? Why? Because now, now that I open up everything to God, he's scrutinizing everything I do? No! No! Because he is trying to lead us into our best life. That which is going to be most fulfilling to us, right? And have the, the, the best impact on other people around us, make a positive difference in the lives of people, right? That's what he's after. Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and have it more abundant. Who else to show us how to have that abundant life than a God that we've invited into every aspect of that life? So then he can rearrange things and say, no, 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 do this instead, right? Yeah. A life where common everyday stuff still happens, but now we're connected to Him. More connected to God, more secure in His love, more filled with His joy and His peace, more in tune with His voice, and yes, even the miraculous becomes powerful. Right? Isn't that what happens when people hear the voice of God and act on that voice? How do we get to know that voice clearer and clearer and clearer? Because we're inviting it. We're looking for it. We're responding to it. The more we do, the greater that voice is going to become. And just as Kate said this morning in the children's message, God says, listen, um, let's, 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 not, let's not go down that road and say that mean thing. Let's do this over here and, and forgive and actually do something kind for that person. And you do that, and God says, okay, I can trust him in that. Now, I want you to do this over here, and it's going to impact the lives of how many people, right? That's how it works in the kingdom. All because we say, God, 
everything. In all my ways, I want to acknowledge you. And let me tell you, this is tough. This is tough. I, I, I Just yesterday, Kate and I, I don't know where it was for her. I didn't talk to her this morning. We're working through the garage and, uh, you know, trying to... <laughs> Uh, take take a, a couple years worth of you know stuff and and get things organized and be able to get our cars in there for the winter and stuff like that and we're just working along it felt good but you know and, and all of a sudden you wake up and you go oh gee I haven't thought about God in an hour or two or whatever right don't 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 feel under condemnation for that this is this is a hard thing to do to walk conscious of his presence it's something that we have to train ourselves to do another recommendation um, brother Lawrence the practice of the presence of God read that it will bless you it's online you can find it in PDF and download it uh, or look it up and read it um, just a, a little bitty uh, series of letters about a guy who did an interview with this and yes the guy was a monk um, but those principles of how he, um, he, he he said it got for him to be when he was washing dishes was no different from the times of prayer that they were set aside in the monastery because his fellowship with God was just as tight while he was doing dishes as it was when he was kneeling in prayer. Something to shoot for, some, an, an attitude, right? Uh, Tozer says this, he says, we must see, that, um, or to see this truth is not enough. If we would escape from the toils of the sacred secular dilemma, the truth must run in our blood and condition the complexion of our thoughts. We must practice living to the glory of God, actually and determinedly. It's not gonna just happen, right? By meditating on this truth, by talking it over with God often in our prayers, by recalling it to our minds frequently as we move out among men, a sense of its wondrous meaning will then begin to take a hold of us. The old painful duality of going back and forth will go down before a restful unity of life. The knowledge that we are all gods, that he has received all and rejected nothing, will unify our inner lives and make everything sacred to us. So we have to do it determinedly. We have to remind ourselves. And I, and I will tell you this. When I was a very young Christian, um, you know, I, I hadn't known the Lord, right? I, I asked Jesus into my life and um, or asked if I could be a part of his. That's, that's better. Um, but I, I hadn't known the Lord before, didn't know what it was to have a relationship with him. And I can remember I would go several hours, you know, throughout the day without thinking of God at all. And then when my mind went to him, all I felt was this sense of love, this sense of acceptance, and joy would fill my heart. It was, it was just uncanny, um, this, this, this love of God that I had found. And I will tell you this, when I began to grow in knowledge about things that I should do and shouldn't do and etc. I got twisted 
I got to the point where, uh, again, when, when I would think of God, it was like, oh, no, I haven't thought of him in the last hour. He's probably upset with me. I got twisted into thinking that these common things he wanted nothing to do with, that he was only happy with me when I was doing the spiritual things. And the Lord is reminding me through this message, hey, remember when? Because that's how I look at you now. I love you. I am just, I rejoice over you with gladness. You're mine. Anytime I want to have that fellowship with you. I'm not looking at you with disappointment, folding my arms, whatever. Yes, there are times that, you know, in that presence of love, the Holy Spirit takes us to school a little bit, and he says, hey, remember what happened at 2.30 today when you, you know, didn't put a check on your mouth and went off on so-and-so? Yeah, probably not the right thing to do. Yeah, you're right. Forgive me. And then he begins to talk about, okay, how did, how, how did this trigger you? Why did this trigger you so much? And he begins to speak to us how to avoid that situation in the future or, 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 or tell us, you know, you need to go make amends. You need to go apologize because you're going to blow this person's mind because nobody ever apologizes. <laughs> and you're going to set yourself apart. You can still redeem this, right? Why? Because he loves us. He wants us to have the best of everything doesn't he? So, I'm not, I'm talking Cadillacs here. You, you do realize that. We're not. Okay. He wants us to have that abundant life in joy and peace. So, again, we need to throw open the doors of our hearts and in all our ways acknowledge him. Seek to live each and every day to the glory of God. Give him our time. Give him those common acts that he knows we're going to be involved in, right? Fellowship with him during them. Keep our ears open to him. Keep reminding ourselves to do that, and it will begin to grab a hold of us, as Tozer says. And we'll find us ourselves living a unified, sacred life for the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you oh, for your love, for your grace for us. We thank you that as your children, you do delight in us. Just us being in your presence, you and ours, joy being with us. You like us, even though we're imperfect and we fail. Thank you for such an awesome God. And we pray that you would remind us of this truth, that we can begin to work on this every day, every day, uh, expecting you there throughout everything. Trusting, Lord, that you're going to be giving us some testimonies to share here in the near future. Thank you. We give you the glory and the honor, Lord. Through Christ we pray. And maybe you're listening online. Maybe you're here today. And you haven't taken that first step, as I told you I did as a, as a young boy. 
and open my heart to Jesus. Maybe you haven't heard the gospel that Jesus Christ came to reconcile you to God, to give you that relationship with Him because our sin separated us from Him. And Jesus came and He died on that cross taking our sin upon Him, self and, and our judgment so that we could be exonerated, so that we could be cleansed, so we could be made holy and reconciled to God, restored to that loving relationship that we've been talking about. And if you've never opened, your opened the door of your heart to that, Jesus said, I stand at that door and I knock. If you would hear my voice and open that door, I will come in. I urge you. Let me urge you today. Open that door. Not to a religion, not to joining a church, not to a bunch of rules and regulations. Open that door to a person who loves you incredibly, who wants to know you and you to know him in a greater way than you'd ever imagine. If that's your heart, whether here or online today, just say, Jesus, that's what I want to do. I hear you knocking. I open that door. I want you to be my Savior. Here's all my sin, all my failure, all my faults. I just give it to you. Thank you for dying for me on that cross. Thank you for taking the judgment for all of that so I could be cleansed and holy before God and know you, truly know you. So help me, Lord, from this day forward to in all my ways acknowledge you and see how you get involved in my life in a big way. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer here, online, whatever, uh, get a hold of me. We'd love to put a Bible in your hand and answer questions and just be there for whatever, however we can bless you. Amen.